It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. The NHL is the ultimate meritocracy. You don't get to play in one game, let alone 1,768, just because you're a good guy or a positive role model or beloved by fans. Hey Patrick, just want to say congratulations on breaking Gordy Howe's record for most games played in an NHL career. What an incredible accomplishment. I think I played in about 900 games in the NBA and I can barely walk now. So I don't know how you're doing it, but keep up the good work. Amazing stuff. Congratulations. Patty, what keeps you coming to the rink? I just love it. There's nothing else like it. So. All right, good morning, everyone. That was Gary Bettman, Steve Kerr, Drew Remenda, and Patrick Marlowe bringing us in here on one of our season wrap episodes of Morning Tide. We've got a lot of stuff to get into today, including part one of my interview with Doug Wilson. But one of the first things I wanted to get into was just some of the special moments of the year. And you have to lead with Patrick Marlowe. There is no more special moment than that than occurred for him or the San Jose Sharks. And really, all of hockey. And like I keep on saying, because my limited brain capacity can only wrap my head around it so far, Patrick Marlowe is walking, living, skating, actual history. He has played in more NHL games than anyone in the history of the league. And it's just, it's staggering. Again, like I said before, it'll be a while before I can wrap my head around this. It's going to take probably years and probably decades. I think now at the age of 38, only am I truly starting to begin to understand what Cal Ripken Jr. did in baseball. And that happened back in 1995 when I was 13 years old and I'm 38 now. So, you know, it might take another 25 years for me to really appreciate what Patrick Marlowe has done in terms of setting this record. And he's got his own Ironman streak going on as well while we're talking about Cal Ripken Jr. But just amazing. One of those amazing moments. There's a couple other moments that I want to point out and talk about that happened over the course of this season. Obviously, there weren't enough. I'm not going to try and lie to you and say that the season was full of magic because it wasn't, but the season served its purpose for the San Jose Sharks. And I'm not going to say that there wasn't disappointment. I am disappointed the Sharks did not make the playoffs. I am sure Bob Bugner would say that. I am sure that Doug Wilson would say that. I didn't ask him that specific question, but we talked about some other stuff, which we will get into. But but it's tough that for a second consecutive year, the rest of the world is gearing up for the Stanley Cup playoffs and we're not. I mean, for so long, that had been the standard, that had been the norm, and now we're just kind of on the outside once again, and the hope is that this team will be able to resituate itself sooner rather than later, and I think that Doug Wilson has the experience to know how to do that, knowing how to do that, and whether or not that actually comes to fruition, it's two entirely different things. Everything you set in place can get messed up by injury, by circumstance, by whatever. I mean, what's the quote? Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. You can have a great plan. 
but that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to come to fruition. But I will say that a bad plan is better than no plan at all. And I don't think Doug Wilson has a bad plan. I think he has a good plan, and I think this year served to that end. It was the right time for the franchise to undergo the quote-unquote reset. Now, you can argue that there should have been a full teardown. You can argue that this is a rebuild. I don't want to get into the semantics here, but I think if you are going to have one year in which you are going to take a step back so that you can take steps forward, which is the term that Bob Bugner used, and he acknowledged that it was a cliche, and I'll do the same thing, then this was probably the year to do it because of where you were in terms of your franchise's arc, in terms of where you were in overall talent, in terms of where you were with problems, with issues, this was the year to do it. So so now is the time to see what comes next for the San Jose Sharks, and I'm honestly excited because there are going to be changes coming, there are going to be moves, there are going to be all sorts of activity involving this team, and I'm excited for that because you don't want to be in another season like you were in this year where you were a middling to lower tier team. That's not fun. Nobody wants that to be the reality. And then as I keep on alluding to in the Bay Area, you have got to be one of the better teams. You've got to be competitive. You've got to be good or else people have other options where they can spend their money. That's just the reality. I mean, the San Francisco Giants won three titles in five years and then shortly thereafter had an empty stadium. The 49ers went to the NFC Championship game for three consecutive years with a Super Bowl appearance, opened a new stadium, and a year later it was empty because the team was bad. That's the reality of Bay Area sports. You've got to be good, and I'm sure that Doug Wilson knows that reality, and I like to think that he has the right steps and the right blueprint without to make the Sharks a good team again. And I am not trying to look at this through teal-tinted lenses. I have always liked the core that the Sharks have had here, right? I think if you go anywhere else, and you tell them you have Evander Kane, Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns. There are plenty of teams around the NHL that would love something like that to build around. But the argument, at least the one that I'm having with my friends, is that it's not perfect. And they seem to interpret my argument as saying the Sharks' core is not flawed right now. It is. Brent Burns isn't getting any younger. We all can see that. Eric Carlson is has not lived up to expectations. We can all see that. Logan Couture was banged up this year and was not able to play consistently throughout the entirety of the season. Timo Meyer had another slow start. Tomas Hurdle was on the comeback trail from another knee injury, also had to deal with COVID. It took him a while to find his game. Evander Kane had his best season, and props to him for doing so. But every core of every team has its own relative flaws or issue. What you're asking is, are these pieces which are here right now things that you can add additional talent to and come up with a greater sum. And I think that is an obvious yes to me. To get the most out of a Carlson and a Burns, you've got to have them on the ice less often. And you do that by having greater talent top to bottom to take some of the onus off of them, A, and just not put them in these positions where they do need to be on the ice that much. And that also comes with not chasing the game so often. Oftentimes this year, the Sharks were staring at a deficit because we all know goaltending was an issue. That's another thing that's got to change. But I like the core guys that are here, and I keep on coming back to this refrain of, are these pieces you can build around? And the answer, overwhelmingly, is yes. But obviously this year, it was far from enough with the existing pieces on this squad. In his final media availability of the 2020-2021 season, 
Sharks head coach Bob Bugner gave his main takeaways. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, sort of we knew this day was coming for a little bit here. My takeaways are are the positive things for me is that I think that we've, uh, you know, we've implemented four or five guys, which I feel will be full-time NHLers uh, and already are. And, uh, you know, and there's more and there could be more. And But I'm just thinking of the names that I think, uh, you know, have made strides and have established themselves. I think uh, Gambrell being one of the guys that was a question mark coming in. Uh, Nishoff, obviously, uh, uh, having a rookie season like he did I think uh, the pickup of Balsers you know I think that was a great pickup for us and he's going to really help us next year uh, Barabanov who signed obviously at the trade deadline was a, was a nice trade for us and uh, you know you put him in there and then you you got the Gregors and you got the Leonards and guys like that and uh, you know I don't want to miss anybody off the list but those are the guys that come to mind at you know last year at this time um, or or after last season we weren't talking about any of those names and uh, I don't know if a lot of teams could say that um, you know going through the season yeah we're not where we want want to be but you know minus uh, um, the work that you know Doug has, has talked about yesterday in his media you know improving the team in the offseason um, that's a pretty big turnaround and I think that some of the names that he mentions in there John Leonard is one that I particularly pay attention to because I think that the wear and tear and just the rapid fire nature of this schedule took a lot out of his game but you could see the potential you could see what was building there Nikolai Kanijov he looks like a gamer he looks like he's a guy he's a part of this team for the future and Mario Ferraro, in year number two, solidified his place as a leader on this team. He's not wearing anything on the sweater as of yet, but we heard guys talk about him saying that he was the heartbeat of the team. He gave his thoughts on the entirety of the season. I'd say, well, as a team, um, I thought, uh, you know, we went through um, some tough stretches, but um, I think some really positive ones as well. You know, we learned collectively as a group that, you know, we got to show up every night and we got to do what uh, do what helps us win uh, and, and play to our identity, um, play fast, play a full 60 minutes. You know, we started off the year struggling in the second period, trying to do too much at times. And I think that, you know, we found that when we played our game, when we put pucks behind their D and, and four checked hard and used our speed, uh, we're a fast team, you know, played fast. That's when we found most of our success. Um, and it's ultimately up to us. Uh, a lot of the results this year was up to us as a team to bring it every night. Uh, it's not so much about the X's and O's. And uh, I think that we, we went through a lot of ups and downs, but we kind of figured that out a lot more. And I think it'll help moving forward, uh, trying to be as consistent as we can be. Individually, I thought it was a pretty good year. I definitely was held to, I think, more of a role this year playing against top lines. And I obviously was was fortunate and given the opportunity to to play more minutes, play a lot of penalty kill and a lot more of a shutdown role. Uh, and I think that I can build on this uh, for next year and really look at ways that I can be better uh, in the positions uh, that I was in this year and, and given the roles that I had. So I think it, you know, I was given a lot of opportunity, which I'm very thankful for this year. And I think that I can really really use the video and, and the results of what happened this year to to improve and, and be better come next training camp and and hopefully involve myself in, in more uh, roles for this team and, and to help us win. So uh, it was overall, you know, it's not the result we wanted. Uh, we're always looking to be a championship team and, and to make the playoffs, but I think it's uh, a step in, in the right direction for where this program, for where uh, this organization needs to go. And, you know, I'm certainly excited um, for what's to come in, in the future for sure and Ferraro to me is one of the standard bearers for the younger guys because all he did in between the shutdown at the pseudo end or just the, the closure of the 2020 regular season 
and the start of the 2021 campaign was work out and get ready. And he constantly posted about it on social media. The guy is a monster in terms of physical shape, but it paid off. The work that he put in, we don't know what type of availability he had in terms of getting on the ice, but he was posting what he was doing with the weight room or what he was doing just to get his body ready for the NHL game because he got a taste in the 2019-2020 campaign. He came back this year ready and raring to go. It wasn't like that for everybody. Timo Meyer wasn't ready to go. Mark Edward Vlasic wasn't ready to go. John Leonard was somewhat ready to go, and he probably has as his former college roommate, Mario Ferraro, a guy that is setting a great example, but now he probably knows why Ferraro was working so hard and what it's going to take for him to be able to take his game to the next level. I know we can always look at these training montages that anyone puts together and think, yeah, that's cool, but there's a difference between doing that and putting in the literal work, the blood, sweat, and tears, as it were. Ferraro put in the work, and what he came out as on the other side was a significantly improved player from year one to year two. You knew there was promise. You didn't know it was going to turn into that. That promise actualized before our eyes, and he turned into a big-time player for the Sharks in the here and now and a big part of the Sharks going forward in their future. I think probably at some point next year, we start looking at him as one of the key players for this Sharks team as one of their core pieces. And that means that you're trending in the right direction. A base that has more pieces is more sturdy, ostensibly. When fewer players take on a greater load, it doesn't often have a great result. If you have more high-caliber players helping carry that load, it takes the pressure off of everyone and it allows them to perform at a higher level. One of the foundational pieces and the captain, Logan Couture, gave his thoughts on building around the team's core. Yeah, I think obviously there's, you know, when you miss the playoffs and you miss it multiple years in a row, there's going to be changes. Um, that's the way that this league works. And, you know, we're, we're an organization that expects to, to be in the playoffs every single year. I mean, I've been spoiled for the first, uh, you know, 10 years of my career here in San Jose where we've had a chance to uh, to make the playoffs and uh, a chance to win the Stanley Cup. You know, these last two years have been very, very difficult to, to take. It's uh, it's not fun losing. I, I don't know how many times I'll say it, but we want to win. I want to win. I play hockey. We all play hockey in our, our dressing room for one reason, that's to win and a, and a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So disappointing, um, but I think it should uh, it should get us give us some motivation going into next year. We all know we need to be better to a man in that dressing room. Um, our best players, you know, our younger guys, I thought they showed some promise throughout the year. So that's exciting for us. You know, when you're a veteran guy and you see some young players come in and get some success, it, uh, it brings you some energy. So that was uh, definitely a positive this year. And one other aspect he commented on was the culture, because that was a big talking point this year about whether or not the culture was built up to a point of where it was acceptable or where it needed to be. His answer was interesting, I thought. I don't think it was good enough. I think uh, we, we definitely made strides. Obviously, you know, I say it wasn't good enough because we didn't make the playoffs. You know, there's there's different aspects of, of our game on the ice that uh, we can improve in and off the ice as well. So uh, anytime you miss the playoffs, you're one of the, the 14 teams that doesn't get in. There's areas to improve. For Couture, the thing he hammered home was that the team didn't make the playoffs. He said that when he was talking about the core. He said that when he was talking about the culture. Clearly, that is paramount. It all comes down to the desire to make the playoffs for Logan Couture when it comes to the San Jose Sharks. And I, Listen, I get it. I, I don't disagree with him. That's got to be the standard. That's got to be where you build yourself towards. But as he said, you don't miss the playoffs two years in a row without some changes coming. And that leads back to my comments on the core. It is a good core of players, but it is not without its flaws, A, and B, 
it is not without its need to supplement and complement what is already here. You've heard the commentary from Doug Wilson. He's talked about it with the media up to this point. He talks about wanting to get some help in goal. He talks about wanting to get a third-line center, and that's just what he's saying so far. And with Doug Wilson, I feel like there's always more that he's not telling us about because he's known for his ability inside these deals. So with that, we are going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to be joined by the general manager of the Sharks, Doug Wilson. You're on Morning Tide. Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash home ice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly. So post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash home ice today. 2021 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Must be 21 or older. Celebrate responsibly. Brought to you by Coors Light. Welcome back to Morning Tide, everyone. And we now have joining us the general manager of the San Jose Sharks, Doug Wilson. Doug, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Well, we're just uh, buckling down and getting ready to, to do some work. we got a lot of work between now and next uh, September. Uh, yeah, I, I know. And you, you've been talking about that the last couple days. But before we get to that, I just want to ask you personally how you're doing, because this is a year unlike anything else. And I know that that's been repeated over and over and over, but just your, your stress levels, your you know, just how you've been handling everything that's been going on. Well, first of all, nobody's equipped, I think, to, to get through a pandemic. I mean, this has been uh, this has been a challenging year for our entire society, our community. And I'm glad you asked because, you know, I, I look at our team and yes, everybody, every team in this league had to go through certain things, but uh, nobody had to go through what our team had to go through with you know, being on the road for two months, being away from their families, playing 14 games on the road. And not just for myself, but more, more importantly for our players and our staff, uh, my concern for their, their health, their well-being, both physically and mentally uh, was challenged. And, uh, you know, you, if anything you learn, how important family is and health and, and having empathy for everybody and being there for each other. And I, and I think our group and our players and our staff did an amazing job getting through that pandemic. I didn't have to play games, but I, there was a time in Colorado after we'd been on the road for a month and a half, I was really concerned about our group. I really was. And uh, just the mental well-being and their ability to get through it and play some of their best hockey from game 20 to 40. But getting through that first little while was really difficult. And uh, I'm proud of them for doing that. Coaches, trainers in particular, having to go offsite and, and the players. In terms of that, that mental fatigue, do you think that was like that for other teams? Or do you think it was relatively unique to the Sharks because of what you alluded to, the, the fact that they're on the, on the road a month and a half to start the season, some of them a little bit longer? Yeah, I think there's realities, you know, and, and uh, as a GM, I, I've got to deal with realities. It's not excuses or anything like that. But the seven teams that didn't get to restart uh, last year and went 10 and a half months without playing, None of those teams made the playoffs this year. Yeah. Again, it's not by coincidence. You know, you don't have development camps. You don't have exhibition games. For us, uh, I felt for our coaches, having to play the first 14 of 16 games on the road is really a challenge, especially after having a training camp where you were on the road and had to go out of market because new coaching staff trying to integrate new players in a new system, and you don't get the last change. So every time you're playing, say, Colorado, for example, you roll out your, your third or fourth line, out comes Nathan McKinnon, Landis Gog, and Ranton. And that, that's the disadvantage of that. And 
that's a reality. So it was uh, this being an expansion draft year also, we factored all those things into our decision to make sure that this was a year that we reset and replenished. And we knew there was challenges with that, but uh, we still wanted our group to compete. And, you know, uh, up to April 10th, we were still right in there in a playoff spot. And I think we actually hit a wall. You know, I look at some yeah. of our players just mentally and physically drained, and uh, that is a reality that we saw. When you talk about the group of guys, I feel like you're talking a lot about the players, but, you know, h- how were you assessing Bob Bugner and his staff at that point? Because, you know, they were in the midst of all that same, you know, the, the turmoil of being on the road for that long. They're not going home and sleeping in their own beds, which sounds, it's it sounds relatively, you know, innocuous, but there is something about being able to come home. And for a head coach in the NHL, that's just one more thing to compound to the existing stress that he was dealing with. Well, it was. But again, keeping everybody connected, building the culture back up, getting us to play the right way. It's uh, Those are challenges. And I can't stress enough, when you're playing those first 14 games on the road, you never get the last change, yeah. ever. You know, And that's um, from a coaching point of view, strategically, it, it's a big issue. So it was a challenge. You know, And you know, when you go through challenges and difficult times, you're, it reveals a lot of what your people are made of. And I think our coaching staff, our trainers having to, in a short, in a minute's notice, have to reestablish where we're going to have training camp, move everybody. Yeah. And it wasn't just the Sharks, it was also the Barracuda. So getting back to some normalcy of, of training, of development camp, of, of uh, getting back into our cycle is really important. And that'll be a big part of us going forward. But there's no doubt it was a challenge this uh this past 14 months for us. Logan Couture said that the culture did come a long way, but he said it didn't come to where it needed to be because they didn't make the playoffs. And that's that's Logan Couture with a very high bar. And I understand where he's coming from because of what his existence in the NHL has been. It's the attempt to make deep runs into the Stanley Cup playoffs every year. And I respect that about him, but I will disagree and say that it did come a long way especially, you know, after I think one of those early games against Vegas um, where a hit did not go, there was not the repercussion from the Sharks that Bob Bugner wanted. He let the team know. And at that point, it seemed like everybody had a very clear understanding of what was expected. And at that point, the culture and the closeness of the team really did start to did start to grow. And some of what was being talked about before the season was definitely improved. And I thought it got better and better over the course of the year. Like I said, Logan Couture had a very high bar to clear. In terms of the bar that you had for it to clear, is it there or do you agree with Logan that it still needs to, it has some work to do? Oh, it, it improved. And and for it to improve during a pandemic is quite a statement because if ever it's going to fracture, it's going to be during a time like this where things are stressed out even more. But that's the beauty of Logan. It's the beauty of uh, all our players. We, no matter what we're going through, we expect to compete. We will not lower that bar. Uh, of saying it's okay to lose or not to make the playoffs. This should hurt. Mm-hmm. There should be pain to go through. Every franchise has to go through pain at certain times um, to uh, reset. Sometimes you take a step back to go a step forward, but you can't lose your compete value. And, uh, uh, you know, our group April 10th is looking at it saying, geez, you know, we, we're still in this. Uh, we found a way uh, to not get it to the finish line. Um, you know, that should, should hurt and it should bother bother us but now what's important is what we do between now and next September one of the big indicators on culture is how a young player can come in and, and play well or fit in and flourish and that's the example when you see it uh, you know the Ferraro take the step that he did or the Knishoffs or yeah. any of the, the Leonard's the Gregor's um, you want an environment where players come in and know that they're believed in they're supported and, and given the right direction and, and I thought our group did a really good job in that area and that's uh, that is an indicator that you look at because 
for our young guys, it's not even where they're at now. It's going to be where they're going to be at come September and October and what they've learned from this year. I know with Mario Ferraro, all during the offseason last year, during the shutdown before the bubble, he was all over social media just essentially posting, I'm in great shape. Look how much better shape I can come in. He comes into this year. He's in great shape. He has he has a great year, especially for a second-year guy. But Bob Bugner alluded to those younger guys, not for, not Mario in particular, but he said the younger guys, he said they thought the, the, the physical demands were hurting them more or impacting them more. And I felt like we saw that with Jonathan Letter, who was flying at the start of the year, and you could see that kind of taper down a little bit. Do you think now that these young players have that, that experience that they will be able to build upon that base that much more and then maybe with a more normal season, that's what you're looking at in terms of that growth? Yeah, and it's not just a normal season. It'll be great when we get back to a regular schedule and all that. When you go back and you don't have a development camp and you can't have a training camp and we were limited for the number of people that could be in our training facility, we had guys that didn't skate for 10 months. And if it's a younger guy, uh, I think that even impacts them even more so. And uh, uh, getting back to that point, we've got young guys that are staying around here now to try to get caught up a little bit. Um, hopefully we'll be able to have a development camp uh, I know we'll have a full training camp and, and have that opportunity. Um, so we can look back at it. There's things you can't control. Mm-hmm. There's things you can control going forward. And every young player I've met with, you know, they, uh, you know, they want to stay around here. They want to come back early. They want to uh, make sure they, uh, they don't miss that, uh, those opportunities they had last off season or last summer. And that tells me a lot about them. We've got a lot of them going to the world championship so they can grow on their game this year. Even the younger guys that played in the Barracuda, Barracuda only played 35 games, you know, and they were stuck on the road uh, uh, for a long period of time. And, you know, they're going to play in the playoffs next week. We're heading out to watch them. But uh, everything is about going forward and, and putting that work in to, uh, to get to the next level. You added nine players in last year's draft. You've got eight coming up this year. You've talked a little bit already with the media about what you're trying to do there. What What is your... What's your outlook in terms of how you've restocked things, what you're looking at going forward and how that pertains to the future? Well, it's crucial to replenish. You know, we were, were a team for many, many years that would use our picks to add pieces. And we felt that coming into uh, this year, it being an expansion year where playing younger players was an advantage too, because you don't have to protect them in the expansion draft. Two, you have to have uh, younger people coming in the system at some point for a myriad of reasons. One is to build your team, especially under a flat cap. Um, the other is to have, uh, you know, it's like a poker game. You've got to have, uh, chips to get in the game. And, uh, we added nine players, uh, last year, we were not going to trade any of those picks. Um, I think our scouting staff did an excellent job. We've got eight picks coming up in this upcoming draft. We'll probably have 10 by the time of the draft. We added Barabanov and mm-hmm. goalie Coma too. So, so basically we've added 20, 21 players in the last 12 months. It also allows me though, to now be in the game when it comes to acquiring players. When you acquire a player, you have to either have young players, draft picks, or cap space. We have all three now. So if you go back to when we acquired Jumbo or Bernsey or uh, Evander Kane or Eric Carlson, you have to have those uh, assets or poker chips to be in the game. We are in that position now. And uh, I could have made a trade probably at the trade deadline that would have enhanced our chance of making the playoffs this year. Um, But you know, to, to give up a first round pick, uh, which is going to be a top 10 pick or uh, one of our top young players. Um, we'd made the commitment uh, before not to move draft picks or young guys for short-term help. And I shared that with our group. Was it hard not to do that 
for you? Because I'm sure there's a part of you that wants to get in. There is, but you, you also have to understand the, the reality of the dynamics of this season. And uh, in hindsight, which makes it easier, if ever you're going to reset and replenish, you probably want to do it during a pandemic and have everything bundled together. And But no, it's not easy. Um, but, you know, we know that um, doing that was important to do. It also puts us in a good position to uh, to get right back at it and add some a couple of pieces that we do need for us to be right back as a team and competing come September and October, which we believe we will. That is part one of my interview with Sharks General Manager Doug Wilson. We will have part two a week from today. And I think the most important takeaway here is that he expects this team to be back next year. Let me play that end cut for you one more time. We know that um, doing that was important to do. It also puts us in a good position to uh, to get right back at it and add some a couple of pieces that we do need for us to be right back as a team and competing come September and October, which we believe we will. He's not beating around the bush. He is not trying to give some media-savvy answer that can be misconstrued. He expects this team to be right back in the mix next year. And that's good. That's where this team needs to be. That's where we have an expectation of as a franchise. And I'm sure that's what Doug has an expectation of himself to build teams that do compete for a Stanley Cup. But it is interesting to hear him talk about the toll that the year was taking on the players and especially expressing concern for the mental health of the guys. But really interesting stuff there from Doug, and we've got more interesting stuff coming up with him when we air part two of this interview uh, a week from today on the 24th. Now, before we run out of time, I wanted to get into another one of my favorite moments of the year, and that was Brent Burns with his game winner against the Wild. This came late in the third period of game six of the year in Minnesota. Burns with one of his sickest goals as a member of the Sharks. Face-off drop. Burns has it. Tries the shot. Blocked by Benino. Burns gets it back. Stick handles to the backhand. Moves in front. Score! Brent Burns goes top shelf, and the San Jose Sharks take the lead. I think the best part of that goal was a screen grab that somebody posted online of that moment. It was Brent Burns in the middle of all six members of the Minnesota Wild just skating through traffic and going backhand with that great goal. I remember I showed the picture to my wife immediately when I saw it the next morning, and she said it looked like something out of a nature documentary, like when, uh, you know, something's getting chased by a predator or mo multiple predators and manages to find a way to escape. And it was just it was just one of those classic moments where you just, it doesn't make sense. There, were, there was nothing logical about that goal. It probably shouldn't have happened if you are looking at that from the perspective of the wild. But that's what a talent like Brent Burns can do, and that's why they've got to reduce his ice time next year to make sure you get the most impactful Brent Burns you can get. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I'll be back with you next week with part two of my interview with General Manager Doug Wilson. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.